1: good morning everybody happy saint patrick's day welcome to pre-market prep spencer israel joel l conan and dennis O'Dick with you this morning uh we got a Big show busy show today, a lot to talk about. We, uh, we got the fact that, A, everything is pretty much down this morning. We got a lot of news overnight. We got some accounting issues. We got some EV news. We got a Fed meeting today. My hat's falling off. We got a, a Fed meeting today that I want to talk about. We'll, we'll preview with our guests. Uh, we got a lot to discuss, a lot going on. Two guests on the docket today. First up at 835, Jonathan Corpina, senior managing partner at Meridian Equity Partners. He will join the show from the floor. Of the New York Stock Exchange at eight thirty-five, and then at nine, I am bringing on one of our team members here, Jonathan Gobronson, or John Gobronson. We call him John G. Uh, he is a crypto uh, nut, and he's going to explain to us, Dennis and Joel, uh, the NFT thing and the Ethereum network and how all that works. Because we we were fumbling around the other day, and I said, John G knows, knows what he's talking about. He's he's in the space, so we're gonna we're gonna get John G on. He'll explain that stuff to us. That'll be at nine o'clock. Don't forget to hit that like button, please. Hit the like button, everyone watching on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, wherever you're watching this show. Thank you very much. Let's throw it to Joel now. Joel, I I already said we're down,
2: but tell us how- We're down, down, man. I don't know if that's triple D out there, but there's a step-down seller in the S&P 500 futures, and they have had- Their foot on the gas since 7 a.m. this morning. We were at 52.75. We lost almost 20 handles here. Just lower highs, lower highs, lower highs. We are through yesterday's low. Pre-market high, 39.60 and a quarter. We ain't going to see that, folks. We're traded just off the pre-market low. I'm not seeing much down here. Maybe 39.13 was Monday's low uh crude that continues to head lower that's down 53 cents at 64.27 uh gold that's down. everything's down gold's down 370 at 17.2740 silver's down oh 9.3 cents at 25.91 and uh bitcoin just hanging out here in the 55,000 handle uh it's down let's call it dov uh, 900 bucks at 55 K triple D with the, with the smart tax last night. I, uh, I wish I would uh, load it up on the short side. You had a good feeling last night. uh, We were going to be weak today.
3: I did. And I'm getting punished for it. Unbelievably I put a few Kathy stocks long against a pile of Q short came in way short overnight, way short overnight. And I'm down money because the Kathy stocks are hammered. And I mean, I got stocks that are down 6% and the Qs are down 1%. That's not, you know, the way to make money. Yeah. So I've got to, this market is so finicky. Like it's so, like, attacks certain areas and attacks the growth so hard. I've got to reevaluate my hedging tactics to these new markets because I went heavy, heavy short cues. I'm like, okay, I think tech's going to get hit. So I'm going to go twice as heavy Qs. You had to go three times as many Qs. You had to go like three to one on your hedges because Qs are down 1%. And I would say, you know, like you bring up Roku, it's down well, only two and a half. It's actually doing better than some of the other ones. But there's some smaller ones that are down four, or five, 6% here. Um, Tesla down 3%. It's hard to find a tech stock that is only down 1.1%. So, I mean, even if you look at Apple, Apple's down one and a half. I mean, your struggle... To find. So it's obviously going to be those non-tech components of the queues that are going to hold it up, but you know, even non-tech stuff is getting hit to a certain extent today. The only thing up substantially is the banks. We know there's a complete inverse correlation between banks and tech right now. Every single day, it's the same thing. of tech's way down, banks are way up, all linked to the TLT. TLT is going down. Uh, the banks are getting a little bit of lift off of that, but it's a difficult market to trade. I call it. I thought we were going to roll over. Yeah. Am I over? for so, I guess I guess you just go short. Sure, you don't put any longs in there. Why at all.
2: did you? Why did you usually fade Kathy stocks?
3: Because some of them were down so much last night. Like oh. some of them were down significantly. I'm like, okay, well, Q's are up, and you got Roku trading down one and a half percent. I'm like, OK, well, you know, there seems to be an edge there because, you know, so I'm I am short quite many cues against it. It didn't make up for it. Overall, I'm probably going to, you know, I, I don't know, I think I'm going to lose money here on my overnight, but I'm not going to make much. And, you know, it kind of pisses you off when you call the rollover yeah. and you screw it up. I mean, and people say, why would you not just short when they don't understand hedging and the tactics and stuff? You know, I just don't go short a, baz- a bazillion dollars worth of queues. And, you know, not hedge it somehow. So, you know, I see opportunities, different opportunities. I go in and I go out. That's how, you know, I kind of roll. So, you know, I'm always hedged. I trade market neutral. I wasn't trading market neutral. I was actually trading to the short (laughs) side last night. But it's not making up for it. The biggest issue is SPY. I mean, you can say the S&P's rolled over 20 handles. But there are so many stocks just hammered today. And the S&P's down 0.38% feels like a joke. It feels like it's not even replicating the market whatsoever. But... You know, there's some banks in there that are helping the cause. There'll be some other things helping the cause. The rotation within itself helps the cause. And consumer staples will probably help the cause. Coca-Cola trading in the green. So it's
2: tech, and then it's the other stuff.
3: And that's what we see here again this morning.
2: Um, You know what's interesting? I mean, is the day that, uh, you know, Tech was the leader, you know, yesterday, and the market still ended up red. And then it just that was just like a one day phenomenon. Now that all of it's uh, rolling over again today, so I don't know. Pump and pile. You think pump and pile can? Uh,
3: Might uh... help something. We'll see. I, I still think like you just can't chase. I mean, we said on yesterday's show, and we're trading up, and Nasdaq's at three twenty two, and I'm like, people are asking, you know, are you buying tech, you're buying cues here. Nope. No, no. You're buying the rip. If you're buying Q's yesterday, you were buying the six-day rip. We were up substantially. So we're correcting. We're still not in trouble here. I mean, we bounced out those lows of 300. So I'm not throwing in the towel and saying the tech party is over. But, you know, we got to correct a little bit here. So now, you know, do you come in here and buy some tech stocks? Maybe if you want to. It depends on your exposure. Like I said, I've been lightening up my exposure in all rallies. I was lightening up. I sold. I don't. I sold two or three tech stocks again yesterday, and I can't remember a couple spacs I sold. I mean, the spacs have just been just disastrous for the most part. I mean, CCIV gets the Kramer pump yesterday, and I see all my you know on my Twitter feed it's a breakout for CCIV, and I'm thinking, wow, wow, well, yeah, wow. you can say it's a breakout, but this is all because of Kramer is going to be on Mad Money, and does it give it back? And I mean, it gives it back immediately here. So, you know, these aren't real breakouts. When you got to almost analyze. This is why just using a chart doesn't tell you the whole story. The CCIV was up yesterday because Jim Kramer said he was going to have Lucid on. That was the only reason. So is that, you know, and we've seen these Kramer pops as of late get faded. We've seen the Kathy pops as of late get faded. Again, that was a great opportunity. The thing went to thirty-three dollars yesterday. It's down at twenty-eight. So immediately fade. It's right back down to where it was. So you got to fade. You know, you got to be willing to fade these moves.
2: When these, like when you see, like you're looking to the left of the chart here, and you know when you broke out, what was this uh, thirty-five right here? That's a whole different ball game. You know, when you're buying this breakout over uh, uh, over thirty-five in February, right? But this time around, it's different. It's a lot different because – is this when the deal got announced that it went from 60 to 45? You got a lot of people that want their money back in this. It's different. Here, everyone was winner, winner, chicken dinner, right? Yeah. And yeah. now it's like, man, I, I can't believe I bought this in 58, you know? And here it is. So I – still near, trading near the lows 2850 uh what did you have here i mean a lot of these charts look the same they got off the bottom you went from 20 to 33, so maybe 26 and a half, 27. I see a pair of low. I see one low at 27.03. So keep an eye on that. That's your two-day low. And then if they really take this out to the woodshed, there's a pair of lows uh, just at 25. But uh, what I think the stock of the day, man, plug power, Dennis. Yeah. Holy yeah. mackerel. Accounting. Give us accounting. There's one thing you can't do on Wall Street. Never. You can't Not in any have market. That's what exactly what I was
1: going to say. The you market can't
2: have a county. Market
1: issues. is always changing, but some things never change. And if you report accounting problems, you're going to have a bad time. Here is what Plug Power said. I'll read directly from the release out at like five o'clock yesterday. Ah, uh, da The the audit determined the company's previously issued financial statements as of and for the years ended oh. December thirty first, twenty nineteen, and twenty eighteen. And as of and for each of the quarterly periods ending from March 31st, 2020, and 2019, June 30th, 2020, and 2019, September 30th, 2020, and 2019, basically the last two years of financial statements should no longer be relied upon due to errors <laughs> in accounting primarily related to and then the list of a bunch of factors. But that's basically the, the gist of it. You basically- was it the
2: Amazon deal? Did I have anything to do with it? That was, that was a funky deal they did with Amazon. I, I don't know yeah. i don't know what it's to say just about difficult, this Joel, um
3: and spencer it's difficult and listeners to come in and buy stocks when you can't rely on the numbers yeah i mean this is why accounting issues this is like you know the, the the root of all fundamental analysis is based on the numbers and they tell you your last two years or your numbers are no two good years. Two years. years. your two numbers years. are no good So, okay, you can read through whatever you want. Maybe it's just a minor issue, but that spooks the market always. They don't read. We know this market doesn't read and get into the details. This market looks at the headline. Headline says we can't rely on the numbers. They're going to hammer the stock. Um, I, I like this one better than Fuel Cell and Ballard Power. I said yesterday, I said I wouldn't buy any of them. (laughs) <laughs> but if I was buying one, it would have been plug power. I would have been the wrong one. Oh, and so,
1: the reason the reason this was out yesterday specifically is because they were supposed to report earnings uh, for the for the December quarter, and they said well, that's not going to happen. Obviously, uh, <sighs> so we're going to uh, finalize and restate all the the statements for all these periods as soon as practical, whenever that is. So, TBD on. Financial, financial statements. <laughs> I don't know
2: what to tell you, man, on this one.
3: Well, they've what, all what? had huge runs, too. So, you know, now you start looking plug power. Again, you know, we talk about the huge runs. 2015, this was $2. 2016, this was $2. 2017, it was $2. 2018, it was $2. 2019, it was $2. Beginning of 2020, this was a $2 stock. It was a $2 stock for basically a decade. And then all of a sudden, they decide, nope, this is the future, even though the stock's been out there for 20 years, and they rip it to 70. I always is, is this the future, or isn't it? I mean, that's the we're at the crossroads here. So I don't know if you're looking Fuel Cell, Ballard Power, and Plug. These have been dogs forever. Everything, you know, all, all these techs, everything tech, you know, even the old school growth techs and the old school legacy ones like Plug Power, you know, that were supposed to be the future back in 1999 have all come ripping back on the back half of 2020 and in the early part of 2021. Well, the rug has been pulled out from under these things. But, you know, you look at the all-time high. Yeah, it was up at $1,500 <laughs> back in the year 2000. 36 bucks here now. It's hard. You're still in yeah, territory territory. Yeah. Could you go back to $2? It's possible. I'm not saying it's going there. I have there. no I'm idea where this thing is It's possible. Going. It was $2 for a better part of a decade. Was this all just fluff and BS? It's possible, but it's also possible yes. that they, are, they do have a business now, and it's also possible that maybe it consolidated $2 for a long time. Maybe eventually it is worth a little bit more, but coming in and saying plug power at $35 is a no-brainer. It's not a no-brainer because if it gets back to where it wanted to be always in 2018, 2019, it's got a long ways down. But you know, if you think fuel cell technology is the future, I don't know if Musk is in that camp, but if you think 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 it is... Then maybe you're buying the dip. I am not. I don't own any of these.
2: I'm not. No, no, I've never owned any of these. Uh Phil Sell getting hit on this as well. I'll just give I'll I'll just give you guys the uh the pre-market low. And I'll try and you know what I try and do in this instance is I'd see what the pre-market low is, and that comes in at uh 3280. And then I scrounge around and I try and find some oh you got some gaps to fill. Well, they're gonna get filled today. And I try and find a daily low, and I don't have much. So I would call a potential buy zone today, if you really want to be patient, 30.40 to 33.72. Now, is it going to get that low? I don't know, but that's the only thing the dailies have for you. Um, and you got a little back. bit of a rally going right now. It might bounce back.
3: It's hard to say, but yeah. it doesn't. Accounting issues, I lay off. I always lay off on this counting issues. I agree with Jim Cramer. It says accounting issues equals sell. It's going to be interesting. He never addressed this last night. I actually tweeted at him just asking because he's been pumping plug powers tires here for the better part of a year. And now they've got accounting issues. So is he going to change his tune or is he going to shrug this off? Because he's always told us accounting issues equals sell. Does it hold when it's one of your darlings? Because it's the Jim Cramer darling. I don't know. I'm, I'm and, hoping he's going to address it. And in, in, this is not to say that stocks
1: that, that our dogs for years can't can't you know become darlings i mean they you can you you could have bought a did you could have bought amd for a dollar six years ago right so sometimes the the comeback really is real yeah right yeah for it's, sure it's just you, you you don't know you don't know unfortunately nobody knows anything no so we nobody.
3: just play percentages we play the odds that's all we can do on any given day, nobody really knows anything. No. Nobody ever knows. We got a little you know, rally we...
2: going, a little rally going, five points off the low. So we did get a little the bit. S&P's of Sorry about suck. That.
3: I'm just going to say right now that the s <laughs> and are so not indicative of what this market's about. I mean, you can say, but it is so much rotation going on the s and that keep continuing to keep it up. So I guess, you know, as an investment, it's awesome because the SPY just doesn't go down. The biggest <laughs> portion of my long-term portfolio is in SPY, so I'm happy for that. But to try to look at the spy on any given day and tell you what the market is doing is is just not the case. It's and Joel's going to hate this as an S and P futures trader, but I'm telling you, man, you're looking at this S and P's down ten handles. There is a whipping well, in in the growth names, like uh, like a Kathy stocks are getting whipped here again this morning. Like what are do we down got? to the tune of three percent most of them. So down point three percent is it's down ten percent of what the Kathy stocks are down right now so literally Tesla literally down just so tech stocks where is down 3% Tesla's down 3% Anything growth is down 3% plus
1: that while you're saying that Dennis I literally just sold the Ca- uh, Kathy stock just uh, Kappa Kappa she's been in this one I was up about 10% yesterday and lost it all yesterday so I one I, day. I took yeah. literally I just took like a 1% gain right there just to take it off the table because uh, it was Lighting, back I can down, keep lightening
3: but... up growth. I'm just concerned. I, again, I'm concerned too. Yeah, I'm just concerned that the growth names, I think you're going to get rotation. I don't think the S&Ps are, they're at all-time highs. We're not saying the market is in trouble. The market's rotation continues to help it. But like I said last week, I don't think this is, it's one thing to have value coming back in favor for a couple of days or a couple of weeks. Value has been back in favor now. For the better part of three months. Six six months, I would say. This is a long time now. A long time. And with the Reddit revolution, where I've said this before, as they seem to all go and look at, you know, they are analyzing over there. They aren't just grabbing anything. They're buying value stocks. If you look at the types of stocks that they're continuing to buy, yes, there's a few other ones like Palantir in there. But if you look, GameStop wasn't a growth tech stock. It was a value play, deep value, roar, he, roaring and giddy. Deep effing value. This cool. whole market, this value, and we see these waves in 2001 to 2008. Growth and tech massively underperformed yep. value. Exxon, Why? Because Exxon, we had a big tech bubble burst, and everybody jumped into value. ExxonMobil was the king. Years. Yeah, Exxon was the king. Yeah. So yeah. the question is, are we three months into a new decade period of value? We we could be. I don't know. But all I know is my portfolio has been allocated to tech for a long time. So I've been trading in tech stocks and buying some other types of value stocks. I put Bristol Myers in the long-term portfolio yesterday. I traded in some tech name. I can't even remember. So but I've been trading in tech and I've been buying stocks that are, you know, value names for the most part. Stocks with lower PE multiples. So I think you just got to keep reallocating. If you're all in growth and saying, no, it's all going to come back, it always comes back. It's still periods of cycles, like longer-term periods. And I don't know that we're not entering one of those longer-term periods where the the valuations are just a joke. I mean, all these Kathy stocks, the valuations are so extreme, they're never going to make sense from a value perspective. I mean, buy an Airbnb at whatever the hell it's trading at you know yeah it's got the growth so you can jump in and say oh yeah it's a great stock but i mean growth if it stays out of favor for a while and multiples start to come in there there could be some serious rotation so i just set telling people out there if you're all tech and all growth and saying well it always comes back look at the period from 2001 to 2009 it doesn't have to do that you got to look further so i'm and, saying just and, a reallocation is what i've been doing and not if- getting out just reallocating so
1: if I can make any make everyone a little bit less afraid, if your time horizon is really longer,
3: then don't worry about it, <laughs> because eventually it'll come back. It always comes back. It might take a decade. Well, that's not true, though, Spencer. That's not true, and we oh. can make everybody. But there is probably from 1999 to 2000 in the tech bubble burst, Yeah, there are probably thousands of stocks. That did not come back and never came
1: back. That's true. So you've
3: got to be, when you're putting something in a long-term portfolio, I'm going to say it again. You've got to be cognizant of valuation to a certain extent. If your long-term time horizon is 20 years and you're buying and you're paying 70 times sales for Zoom, that's 70 years of sales. Yes, Zoom can go up a lot. Yes, Zoom. Can, you know, increase the sales and yes, maybe it is going, we're all going to just be doing zoom. We're going to get rid of mobile phones. We're just going to have, you know, the headsets and zoom. Maybe that's going to be the case, but maybe it's not going to be the case. So there's a reason that zoom has been underperforming the market for the last three to four months. It's because the valuation got absolutely ridiculous. Was it a good stock at $50? Sure. At 100 getting expensive. At 150 ridiculously expensive. At $588, it was an absolute joke. An absolute joke. So at $335, I think it's still a joke. The valuation is a joke. Can the story get hot again? Can the growth go? Yes, it can. So we don't know the path. Maybe the story gets hot. Maybe we go to growth. Maybe, you know, with this free money out there, everything's just going to trade 70 times sales. Nobody knows. But all I know is when I'm buying a stock, that's got you know some a solid you know track record a solid dividend. It's got you know a little bit of growth. Even Facebook, you know, paying 19 times with all its businesses, it's a lot more reasonable investment than going and buying Zoom and saying it's going to come back because it always comes back. They don't always come uh, back.
1: Obviously, all right. I was being a little facetious, right? They don't always come back. That that's definitely true. You gotta always,
3: be cognizant of valuation when you're long term investing. I'm always trading had boring stuff. When man. you're trading. You can do whatever you want. I, I trade everything. I buy Zoom every day almost. I'm trading Zoom. Buy sell, buy sell. Either dip on plug or but not? But Zoom has never never. I did last night. But I've already sold it. But Zoom <laughs> But Zoom will never 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 enter my long-term investment portfolio. Never. Why? Because I went through 1999-2000 and I saw, you know, what can occur when growth comes out of favor. And there's no value investors to buy. So unless Zoom reinvents the entire business and comes You're up with all mind. new yep. models, I can't pay 50 or 60 times sales for a stock. It makes no sense.
2: Quick question here from uh, James. I think I know the answer. Triple D, do these accounting uh, issues uh, dissuade you from trading plug in a pair? And I know you've mentioned uh, pair trading plug with some other things. I, I would say... Yeah, I mean the correlation now, whatever correlations has had until this accounting thing shakes up, I, I don't I know. I played
3: sympathy off of it. I tried a short fuel cell last night. Yeah, had a tick issue. Um, I don't know if it was, <sighs> I must to drop ten percent or something. I think it yeah. was. Uh, I don't know if it did. I'm pretty sure. It had, yeah, the day before, I couldn't get the tick. So because oh. of the short sell, so I couldn't get it. And then you know, everybody's level here getting on the offer, trying to get short can get the text i did get short ballard power so on that headline i shorted ballard power flat at twenty five seventy. so i do trade on you know i didn't buy the plug against it i just simply shorted the ballard saying it's going to come in it came in in like a minute or two minutes it came in fairly quickly maybe not two minutes i was in the trade for a little bit but i'm already out of it so i short ballard power on the sympathy play which is the relationship based to plug Ballard Power didn't do anything wrong in, say, accounting issues, but you know there's going to be people that are going to hear yep. It If Plug's down 16%, Ballard and Fuel Cell probably going to be down. So they were down last night before when the queues were even up. They didn't care, obviously, because Plug Power is going down. So I did trade. I traded Ballard, tried to get the Fuel Cell, couldn't get the tech. All right. Uh, all
1: right. A couple people are asking about what time uh, is the Fed today. The announcement is always the same. It's always the same time. The announcement is at 2 o'clock Eastern time, 2 p.m., is when the the decision comes out, and then there's is, there's is a press conference at two thirty, and that's when that's when people get to ask Powell, and that, that that's really when when the mar the market will move at two, and then it, it may do nothing for a little bit, and then at two thirty when he starts speaking, it, it'll move it, it might move again. Um, so two o'clock and two thirty Eastern are your times. Uh, we don't expect he'll they'll do anything different. We expect them to really the the only question is what are they going to say? Like, are, are they going to say we're, we, we may raise rates in, in, in two years or in three years, like, or longer? Like, that's really the question. Like, they're, they're not going to raise rates. They've talked about that. They're just going to say the same thing. It's really just a question of like our expectations for the future. Have they changed or have they not changed? And we'll find out at two o'clock, but um, uh, that's, 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 that's what the Fed situation is for today. could move the bottom, could move the bottom market TLT uh futures. And it's, that's pretty much maybe the banks. Um, we, we also got a question uh, for the past couple of days, I think. Uh, Joel, sure. can, uh, can you explain exactly what a quad witch is? I'm sure a lot of people, listeners know, and I'm sure some of them don't. So Friday is going to be a very interesting day. One, because it's an S&P rebalance. Yep. And two, because it will three reasons, actually. Two, because it's the first day of March Madness. And uh, three, okay. three, it is a quad witch. Joel, can you explain Sure. what is a quad witch?
2: All right. Well, in the old days, back when uh, you know, Dennis and I, it used to be a triple witch, and so I'm just going to give you the most (laughs) insignificant part of the quad witch, and those are single stock futures. Uh, they just never took off. They, uh, I believe, one of the Chicago Stock Exchange tried it. Um, I've talked to Rob Friesen about it. He said there was just no edge, no liquidity. The only person I know that uses them is uh, Jerry Parker from Chesapeake Capital. So let's take out the single stock futures. Dennis, you, I'm sure you've never traded. Right. So if it's not a quad witch, it's a triple witch. And it happens the third Friday of every calendar quarter March, June, September, and December. And that is when you have. The simultaneous expiration of the following instruments. You have stock index options, like stock, stock indexes, yep. and options on individual stocks. And there are a lot of turning points and there's a lot of things. And that's when Dennis and I we text last night. I you know, last March you had the gamma unwind. I'm not exactly sure what that is, but I, I think one thing that you know, there's a it's gonna be a wild expiration. I don't know which way it's gonna go, but there's a lot of stuff coming off the board. So it's 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 more volatile trading. Dennis, I know people asked you about how you do it and you just kind of sit back moves. and wait and fade it, right?
3: I fade yeah. the the three fifty to four I fade the four o'clock closes. If they're yep. gonna gaps up this way, gaps up this way, I'm selling the gap ups and I'm buying the gap downs. I'm fade buying the dips and selling the rips right on the four o'clock close. And is that, I mean do that algorithmically too?
2: Yeah, is that, I mean, you you do adjust that, though, like over the years. I know you've been oh, doing yeah. it. Yeah.
3: You trade it. I always pull for news. You know, if there's a newsy stock coming or something's you pull it trading out. on a lot. Of, yep. Yeah, I pull those out of my spreadsheets. So, But, you know, I, I've always faded the moves. Just providing liquidity. That's classic Don Bright. Rest in peace, Don Bright. So many good strategies came from you. I know there's some listeners that probably know Don out there as well. Um, Don, that's Don Bright. Creativity, right there. That from back, you know, to the, in the '90s. You know, we fade those big institutional moves. We fade those, you know. We, and you know what? That strategies still hold water. Come in. Sometimes they come in, they sometimes here, they come in immediately.
2: Sometimes they just come in like oh, within yeah. seconds.
3: Yeah, you don't get the huge gaps you used to. It doesn't seem like. um Sometimes you can. I guess there has been some big ones. There was one like two or three years ago at option expiration on on a quad wedge and. I, I it was a whole pile of stocks. Like there was like Johnson Johnson gapped up two bucks on the closing print. I shorted that and immediately made a dollar. UNH I think gapped down. I don't know if some of the traders out there, the prop traders if they're listening, probably can remember, but I think it was UNH when it was like I'm going back to like twenty eighteen, so UNH was maybe like a two hundred dollar stock. They gap down like 10 bucks or something on the closing printer, eight bucks. There's
2: some big ones, yeah. Yeah,
3: those are like gifts. So, you know, all of a sudden stocks train like here and, boom, here and boom, they're here, and boom, they're here. Well, I want to be <laughs> a buyer down here, and I'll be a seller down here. It's not rocket science. So, you know, so how I play that, I've talked about this before. I use the LOC, limit on close. So I got, you know, stocks are trading here, I surround the fair, you know, fair value going out a little ways there. But you know, I, I use LOC, a limit on close that's gonna execute me on the closing printer cancel. So my offers here, let's say, you know, Johnson Johnson's trading, let's just bring up the price right now, hypothetical situations, trade at 161.5. Well, you know, maybe I'm throwing out a 162 short or a 162.5 short. If it closes at 163, I get short at 163. I don't get one sixty Multiple orders, too. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll throw out multiple orders out there, too, sometimes if I really think it's really going to go. You can do a couple of different levels. You could throw one out. You know, and sometimes it depends on how aggressive you want to be. Sometimes you go half a percent, you go one percent. Maybe you want to, maybe you're not a very aggressive trader. Maybe you want to go one and a half percent. You're starting to go within a half a percent, then it starts to get dicey. Yeah, a bit.
2: yeah you're market your... could
3: move on yeah. I mean, there's, there's, you know, so I think you're staying out over half of a percent. But again, people, you know, that are listening, or what are you going into a trade for a half a percent? Uh, You get 50 stocks and a half percent, you just made a (laughs) lot of money. (laughs) So, I mean, this is basic market making at the close is what it is. So this is how I trade. I'll enter a trade for a 0.1% edge. If I have a 0.1% quantitative edge, I will enter that trade
2: and we probably don't have time for another time the old was it the russell rebalance story when you forgot to turn off your algorithm (laughs) and you were going to europe The yeah i was going on
3: the european vacation i was like we might not be able to go on the european vacation i got executed on the russell rebalance i got 200 stocks in about two seconds and with size and i'm like holy cow i was trying to work out and trying to work out and it was interesting, anyway. So I ended up getting about half them out, and then I hedged it all with spy and went on vacation. <laughs> I traded that's out from London. That, the next that's day. the
1: answer just just hedge it with spy, buy spy, sell spy, and all call I it My isn't party. working in
3: this. Oh market, I'm yeah, just the, buying the, cues right now, and I got a couple tech longs like Roku,
2: and I'm just destroyed on them. I'm destroyed. Well, the, it was the the thing, and we'll we'll move on. We'll do some earnings after this. Is yeah. but you didn't you didn't turn off your algo. So you're still a, running
3: yeah and, in the background.
2: You, so you would sell a stock and then you would be like, wow, yeah. I just I just sold this stock and then it would be it would be long again. I
3: don't know how it came back in my portfolio, but the algorithm still buying. So, I mean, this is one thing to algorithmic traders out there. Again, this is the first thing. It should be on page one of my algorithmic trading book (laughs) is when you're developing your own programs. And I literally developed the software from scratch. I had four programmers developing it from scratch. Lots of money in that stuff. Believe me, lots of money to pay and that kind of stuff. Never put a minimize button on your program. So I had the little mind. They put a minimize button so I can have more screen room and it can just run in the background. So the minimize. So I had the program minimized in the corner and I'm like, how am I still buying stocks? I'm like, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, my, it's running in the background right now. It's literally running in the background um, because I've got the program minimized. It's still running. I didn't shut it down. (laughs) So, yeah, algorithmic traders, don't put a minimize button on your um, algorithmic programs to save screen.
1: Well, as usual, Dennis's pain is our entertainment. So moving right along, <laughs> let's go to – I know.
2: <laughs> you're, such a, you're such a good it's sport, Good stories. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's do you're this. actually the funniest. Oh, really I, like, I kind of hope you have losing days because that's when you're the funniest is when you have losing I'm days. I'm having
3: a losing day today, I'm pretty sure. it can be the second one of the year. I'm buried right now. I right. was bearish coming in. How's this happen? <laughs> Crowd strike, getting... I lose money.
1: All right, <laughs> man, I'm dumb. We're earnings, we're, let's do a couple of earnings. A couple, and then we'll have Corpina on in two minutes. Let's start with Crowd Strike (CRWD). Uh, they gave a lot of guidance last night, so their their Q1, I'm um, sorry, their Q4 EPS beat the estimate. Their Q4 sales number beat the estimate. Their Q1 guidance for EPS beat Q1 sales guidance beat. Fiscal year EPS guidance beat. beat, fiscal year sales guidance beat, everything beat for CrowdStrike last night. We
3: oh, are doing man. well last night until they pulled
2: the tech bubble carpet out. <laughs> they pulled the rug out from underneath it. Who was listening to the afternoon show yesterday? Because I was as about convicted as I could be. About this two hundred nine to two hundred ten area.
3: Good luck. Uh, you
2: remember that Spencer? Yeah. Because we had three highs at that area. The fifty percent is right at that area. You got people crushed on the way down here. You had people that bought the dip at one hundred seventy, and I don't know if any. I hope someone got. I didn't. I did not participate in this. But I. Sh- I mean that two hundred ten. That was a gift from the market gods. I mean, holy moly. They marched it up, almost got to 212, right? So you're splitting hairs, you know, but now it's what, 199.50. Yikes, you might not be seeing that 210 for a while. Uh, We're on the downside here. Let's just look at yesterday's range. (laughs) Yesterday's low, 193.50. I don't know if you're going to see that. Uh, and the close is right in uh below it too. What nine one ninety 19631. So keep an eye on that, make sure it doesn't go red on you. That's uh for CrowdStrike. What else did we right, have? Uh, you do,
1: we'll, we'll do one more and then I'm going to give Jonathan a call. I'm going to call him in the background, so I'll do that while Joel okay. What do you time. got? Um, you want to do Lenar? I mean, we, there, there's a few. Uh, we, we Lenar can- did it pop and drop? We can go to Kodak. Yeah, <laughs> right, I do- actually traded
3: the Kodak.
1: All right, all right, let's do Kodak cuz that, that 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 one's more fun. Yeah. More, than always boring. Um Kodak I don't even know uh, uh, how to interpret the numbers. They just uh, we, uh, here. I'll either just, do, either um, did they. Yeah, I mean here. They, <laughs> so they 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 filed for a mixed shelf offering of up to 500 million dollars. Um, they're going to sell up to 44 and a half uh, or it, it's from 44 and a half million shares from a selling shareholder. Um, yeah. I'll just give you like they had operating and a lost a million dollars last quarter or last year. I don't know. T- t- talk about your trading
3: in-, in Kodak. I actually had a long position in this that I'd bought because somebody said, oh, it's an NFT play. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe, you know, this could get a little bit of life. I bought it a couple days ago and it actually was showing some life two days ago. went up to 1050. That's weird. Oops, sorry. Joel, you gotta put that thing on vibrate. I know, Silent, yeah. silent mode. Silent mode. Silent mode now. Thank you. <laughs> so anyways, I brought this a couple of days ago. I mean
2: I told Jerome not to call me between eight and nine, and he does <laughs> it's it every time. Mode, Joel. My yeah, phone rings. Joel, my I phone rings
3: continuously, continuously. All right, Joel, I'm, I'm going I'm to interrupt you. Guys.
1: I'm going to interrupt you guys. I've got Jonathan Corpini here, okay, we'll senior managing here. partner okay. at Meridian Equity Partners, joining us via uh, phone from the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. Jonathan, good morning.
4: Gentlemen, good morning. Nice to be on.
1: Nice to be on with you. So you, <laughs> so you're back on the floor. Everything is back to normal. <laughs>
4: back to normal wow that's that's a i don't know if we can ever pinpoint that ever again um yeah so we've been back on the floor obviously as you guys know four has been open since uh may uh may 25th i think right um and we've been operating with a with a scaled down staff so we're operating at about 50 percent as per the nyse guidelines okay. we continue to operate like that um everyone's you know we're here every day but we're just we we do rotating shifts so We've got, uh, you know, our traders here on the floor, and when they're not on the floor, they're working from home like the rest of the world. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right, Jonathan, let's yeah.
1: just let's just start with um, start with Fed, start with Powell. What are your expectations for today, as far as how not 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 what he's going to say, but how the market will react to what he says or doesn't say?
4: You know, I think I think the market continues to be fragile. Um, with The volatility that we've seen, both up and down. Um, I think it's unhealthy for our markets, and, and I think we need to continue to tighten in those upper bands and lower bands to, to try to build a range and build a base here. Um, yes, we hear from the Fed today. Are they going to say anything that's off script or anything that we haven't really uh, you know heard before or aren't expecting? I don't. I, I think they're going to go right down the middle and keep things as, as safe as possible. How does the market react to that? That's going to be interesting, right? We've seen we've seen um, you know big swings in our market. We've been watching the 10-year, um, you know, VIX gets gets below 20 and bounces right back up again. I I think it's going to be rough uh, rough trading for the next one or two days um, because I just think the 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 fear in this market is, is certainly there. We continue to trade near or close to highs, S&P, Dow. Uh, Russell's had some significant moves to it. Nasdaq, we're seeing tremendous pressure on that due to the you know, inverse relation to the 10-year. So I think we're going to continue to see this uncertainty. You know, couple that with what's going on in Europe, uh, tied to coronavirus, and um, you know the the progression that we were seeing there has now reversed, and we, we're seeing countries go somewhat backwards in some stances there. Yet in the United States, we continue to grow and expand and, and reopen. Um, and and it's only going to take a matter of time for us to realize how uh, this reopening process is going to be impactful on a positive basis or a negative basis on our on our economy. So I think um, I, I think the uneasiness is certainly still there. This this Fed conversation today is going to be is going to be somewhat benign, in in my opinion.
2: I mean, rates are going no. I mean, everyone's talking about rates going up, but. <sighs> I mean, and they're trying to force the Fed's hand, but I mean, in like, what's uh, like? Rates are never going back to the levels that you know that where you're going to pull your mo- I don't say never, but the people are going to pull their money out of the market to go into interest bearing. I mean, it's I I don't know what the hubbub is about. It's just we're not going. This inflation that everybody there's inflation
1: yeah, in certain things, oh, well, right? I'm, I, I'm I'm not sure if if Jonathan heard what you were saying, Joel. So I'm just going to repeat what oh, I,
4: I did not. I'm
2: sorry.
1: Uh, no, the, my, why not? I, I think our connection just dropped off, but I got him back. I I'm not positive here. This this is our first time using the phone with Streamyard, so uh, I tested okay. it out, but we, we may have some glitches. I'm just going to repeat what, what, what Joel was saying uh, so he can hear me. But um, Joel's point was interest rates aren't going up anytime soon, right? So really, I mean. What difference does it make? I, I think is the point Joel was trying to make. Uh, but Jonathan, I have a question for you. What are your client? What is the tone from your clients right now? You're on the phone with, with clients all day, and and uh, what, are they are they worried? Are they not? Are they trying to? Are they like buying the dip in tech or like what what is the what is the sentiment from them?
4: Yeah, I, I think the overall sentiment is um, you know, ha- happy. The market is you know in some indices are trading near or at all time highs. But certainly, there's an apprehension that the next shoe is going to drop in in some place, and they're they're playing that that protection side. Um, you know, the the volatility that we're seeing in tech could certainly translate over to um, some other sectors in, in time on a rotational basis. We're seeing you know value be put into play at this point. Um, still early in the Biden administration. Um you know coronavirus vaccinations. We're getting comments out of North Korea as to how our relations should be. China's not happy. There's so many factors that are out there um, that I think could put pressure on this market. and And I, I feel like in conversations with my clients, they too are waiting for um, just the, the the next catalyst. Unfortunately, I think the overall feelings of the catalyst might be to the downside
1: question from our chat to get your thoughts on, on GameStop here on, on on that hullabaloo. Do you have any, do you have any thoughts on that?
4: Absolutely. Um, So I I think a lot of people are going to be watching the, uh, the hearings today. We've got, you know, round two of them. So they will they will be broadcast everywhere. Um, Great lineup that they have today. And I, and I think it's going to be, you know, refreshing to hear um, different, different perspectives to it. Listen, I think, you know, what we're seeing here is, is clearly, um, you know, masses getting in and out of stocks simultaneously. And what we've seen over time, and I believe we've spoken about this is with our shutdown and our lockdown, the increase in retail, um, new accounts coming in and retail order flow and retail participation has skyrocketed. Um, and a kind of an interesting little anecdote. My, uh, I have two daughters that go to school down in Texas, and I went down and visit them and, uh, you know, took their friends out to lunch and took their friends out to dinner. And all these kids uh, were talking about GameStop and Bitcoin. Those are the two things that they wanted to talk about, cryptocurrencies and GME. And it's amazing how, um, you know, 18, 19, 20-year-olds are so fascinated and drawn into what is going on and what's happening. And that just – that just shows me and solidifies to me that if, if uh, you know, if, if these kids are talking about it and if these kids are, are participating in it, then the other tens of thousands, millions of people are looking at the same thing, and it's the herd effect. We've got herd effect getting in and herd effect getting out. Um, these these hearings are going to be interesting because I think they're not, you know, they're going to focus on, you know, two things. One is payment for order flow and the effects of that on the market. And the other one is going to be the the, the Reddit concept, right? The the concept of um, messaging message boards and message communities, and how that can influence people's um, uh, you know instincts to buy or sell a stock. And and uh, listen, I, I equate it to you go to your you know you, you you go to your barber and you're sitting in the chair and your barber goes, oh, I heard this I heard about this great stock. One of my one of my other clients told me to buy X Y Z so you then go and buy xyz you didn't do any research you don't know the fundamentals you probably have a very minimal understanding of what they do but you go and buy it and that's no different than what happened in reddit right they were posting messages of go buy gme go buy uh, uh, best buy um bet bath and beyond these these different messages that were coming through I, i don't think people were posting falsified information about revenues and earnings and expectations and M&A activity. It, the, the messages were strictly, you should be owning this. So it's going to be interesting to see how they, um, how they try to corral that, that freedom of speech. Um, but we certainly have seen the effects on the markets. We continue to watch how these stocks swing. And, and most of the time, we're only hearing the, the good stories about it, right? For every trade, there's a buyer or a seller. Yep. that was my message to those college kids down in Texas. That listen, you hear all these great windfall stories of people who bought it, um, who bought it low and sold it very, very high. There's always somebody on the other side of that trade, so you got to be really careful of what you do and how great, you do it.
1: Great point. Great point, uh, Jonathan. One more here before I let you go. You mentioned tech as it relates to the bond yields. What leads what? What leads the relationship? Or, or is it the bonds leading, uh, and as bonds go up, tech goes down, or is it te- as tech goes down? Bonds go up.
4: I, I think I think bonds. I think bonds leading uh, the momentum in tech. Right. I mean the ten right. year trading. You know the ten year trading at you know uh, at, at sub levels um, are all, offers not only tech but you know many companies out there just low low interest rates from for long term cash, um, and and that money could be you know, is yeah. put to use very quickly in a very expanded point of view. Um, I think you know as tech has been. Very exposed to that, and very exposed to the debt. That when we see the yields move higher, that's when the tech gets the ripple effects of that. So I, I do think it's the it's the bond that's 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 leading all of this.
2: Jonathan, before we let you go, uh, you know Dennis t- talks about we've talked about in depth uh, the transaction tax. Do you see that getting any legs on Wall Street? I mean,
1: that... Jonathan, uh, Jonathan, do, yeah. you, you heard Joel.
2: No, I, I didn't hear Joel.
1: I can only hear you. Right. Yeah. I don't know why that's working. I apologize. Joel was asking you about okay. about the financial transaction tax. Do you have expectations for that? Do you think it could go through? Um. I guess how likely is that ha- is that of uh, happen
4: to happen? Yeah. So listen, that's a that's a DC. Um. You know that that's DC who's running the lead here on that. Um. I think clearly they're going to see some pretty strong opposition. Um. You know what we are seeing at this point is that. Um, I- exchanges and institutions are flexing their muscles back and saying, listen, you guys do what you want to do, but this is going to be our reaction. Um, so the ball keeps getting lobbed over the net and back, in, back and forth into other people's laps. Right now I think the ball's in D.C.'s laps, as we've seen that NYSE came out with a statement saying we, in fact, will move to a, a different location and where, where we can operate without Uh, these types of uh, transaction tax Um, that too is going to take a lot of time to play out. Just the, the, the thought of the um, you know, the, the New York stock exchanges and NASDAQs and the Virtus and Citadels and you know, how do they, how do they, operate in that environment and what's their solution to mammoth undertaking. Um, I I do think that we'll, we'll have a lot of posturing going back and forth, but at the end of the day, there's going to have to be some sort of resolution because the ripple effects of that is, is just tremendous. Um, Think about, you know, think about who, think about the real estate around the new york stock exchange and and people who live here and 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 businesses it's it goes beyond just this transaction tax so i I, I think smarter smarter heads will prevail on something like this
1: jonathan corpina is a senior managing partner at meridian equity partners joining us from the floor of the nice jonathan we appreciate your time thanks a lot (laughs)
4: Gentlemen, have a great day. Thank right. you for your time. All right.
1: Uh, n- next time, guys, I'll uh, I'll make sure we use our. First, okay. first time ever using a phone with with this with uh, this st- streaming service we use, and um, next time we'll get it so that he can actually hear you as well as me. Uh, but I, I apologize for that, John Dennis. But uh We're able to get okay. to hear from him. Uh, okay. I see, I see a debate in chat about NFTs. It's good that that's going on because our guest at nine, Jonathan Gold or John G as we call him from Benzinga uh, will be able to explain all of this mad nft madness uh, how it runs on the ethereum network what that even means how it's different from bitcoin and all of that in about 10 minutes or so. Let's what else was on our list here um we we could go to Uber. Was we were it? talking about Kodak. We're talking about Kodak, and I interrupted you. I'm sorry. That
3: was the NFTs. For yeah, Jonathan. that was great though. Um, so I I had Kodak. I'd bought it just a few days ago. It's funny. Um, you know, I just um, we actually had mentioned it a couple of days ago. Um, I didn't comment on it because I actually had bought it. Um, and uh, it, it had a pretty good pop. It had a pretty good pop up to ten fifty. I thought, well, maybe this is gonna be you know an under you know the radar, you know, NFT play because the Twitter was the universe been talking about this as a potential NFT play. So I was like, oh maybe. Anyways, with yesterday's candle, I was like, no, this thing's in trouble. (laughs) And I knew it was gonna report earnings, and I'm like, any earnings pop, I'm getting the hell out of this. So I was like looking at this and I'm like, I'm gonna get out on any earnings pop. It didn't just give me a little earnings pop, it ripped ripped higher, bring up that Kodak chart after hours. It I went over it. ten bucks. Ooh. So I actually got out at 980. So nice. I actually got out of my stock at 980 on the pop. So I'm out of Kodak now. The simple reason is that I felt like tech was turned yesterday. So I was trying to lighten up all tech stocks. I'm like any tech stock that I own that's going to be rallying into it. I'm going to get out. Not the Kodak's so a tech stock, but it's like that Momo you know hope name you know it's the kind of name that's going to get hammered and if we go into a risk off environment to a certain extent so anyways i still think it could be an under the radar nft play but um i sold the, the rip i'm if it gets back down that seven area maybe i jump back in but i don't know like i mean this is just a storied stock this is complete speculation so i have no position in it now again Did you catch that 980
2: up? on the way up or on the way down on the way up. Yeah. I, and, the
3: strength. yeah. You know, I thought like I thought it might pop up and it was getting I was like, Oh, it's gonna stall out. I had it in my head that it'd stall out around ten bucks. 10, if it, really, it really got there, so I was ahead of it. I had the order already out there. So yep. I got lifted on the way up into the earnings report, you know, and, and it was like a couple minutes later. It actually it ripped and then it dipped a little bit, and I was like, am i gonna have to bring that down. And then it started really getting the life. I don't know, you know, if they read more details or whatever, but then it started ripping up over ten. Um so yeah, so I sold the nice. rip.
2: Yep. 1008 was the high. Uh, this is just a tough stock traded down. What's yesterday's low? Uh, are we through yesterday's low? <sighs> yeah. 871. That's going to be your resistance now. Not much in here. I see at 847 low, and then you look under eight bucks at 781. But uh, that's what your move is in Kodak. It's,
3: it's just using an earnings report to get, you know, when you're oh, good, at something. Good, yeah. Well, yeah, you're in something, you know, you're in trouble. I actually thought about selling it before the earnings, but I kind of thought they might pop it in the earnings report for whatever reason. I don't know why I thought that, but uh, they might give it some love. And I was like, I'm going to use the pop to sell. And then they came out with an offering. They came out with a lot of bad stuff after that. So I got out a perfect price. You know, I don't often get that, you know, to get out, the, you know, near the top of a after hours move, but just worked out that way. But, you know, sometimes you can use those earnings to get you out of a bad position. And it, that's it, what and
1: i did mitch and i were on the stream we were watching that pop and and, and we theorized dennis is probably selling this selling to this and, hey, we're i, did. <laughs> to
3: Look at that. Sell I didn't sell short i just actually owned the stock and i was yeah. like eh, yeah. i don't like this yeah. I, I mean i don't like taking heat so as soon as I, when i enter a, even a swing trade or a storied stock i want immediate gratification i yeah. want like you know, if, if the buzz, if the stock story and the momentum is carrying and people are talking about it on Twitter, you know, like Chris Camille says, the social ARP stuff, yeah, I'll trade. You know, if there's momentum there, I'll trade it with it. But, you know, if it gives it back, it's like, OK, well, momentum just broke. I don't want to be in the thing if the momentum's breaking. So I mean, I'm in it from the Momo. You know, I'm not in Kodak on a valuation. <laughs> it's not a value long-term investment. It was a trade. So I snuck out of it. All right, Palantir. They all want to talk Palantir I every me. day. Yeah, I know. We could literally do a Palantir show. Like everybody wants to talk Palantir all the time. So okay. quick thoughts. Well, so still... it's
1: interesting because the CEO doesn't give too many interviews and he was, was a good interview. And he was I on C- and he was on CNBC at like yeah. three fifteen, three o'clock, somewhere in that in that yeah. uh doesn't doesn't give too many of those. So it was interesting to hear hear um uh, him speak and I, you know, I was talking to uh, Tom Nash yesterday on our stream and, and, and he's Bullish Palantir and and he said something that I thought was funny and uh, uh, I want to tell you guys basically he was like well Palantir uh, to the best I understand it and, and that's how every explanation of Palantir has to start to the best of my understanding this is do. what they do nobody because knows. nobody actually understands it. <laughs> the nobody it, they do. it nobody gets it except the people that built the thing for 17 damn years do.
3: Jim Cramer always jokes like that, too. We don't really know what they do, but (laughs) it's got a good story. It was a recent IPO. I mean, we have just, you know, how like we said before, how many Kathy Pops? Yeah, there's two. I mean, if you didn't have Kathy Woods, there's an argument to be made that if Kathy Woods wasn't literally buying this and getting all the Kathy Pops off of this, that this would be under $20. So it's had so much Kathy love um, that it's kept the stock floating i mean i i just think eventually i i don't know like it's a storied stock reddit could grab a hold of it there's some reasons you could see why it could go higher it's kind of a coin flip here it's in the middle of nowhere i just don't know if i i don't like the tape when it's you know had so much love from kathy woods you can't get off the mat and everybody wants to talk about it every day obviously everybody owns this everyone's stuck
2: a lot, a lot of people, of people stuck. stuck on this thing. A lot thing. of people stuck too. Yeah. but this
3: is the market that's bailed out a lot of you know bag holders. So you know this could Reddit could bail them out. Reddit likes this stock too. It's talked about on Reddit a lot. So I never want to short a Reddit stock. At the yeah, same just, time, I'm not buying it.
2: It's thick though. It's really thick. I mean, oh, you're getting a lot of trades. Reddit. Yeah, I mean, it trades like water it's uh, it's
3: as liquid at seven thirty at night when the market's closed it's got a two cent market i mean it basically doesn't close it it's trades from four a m to four p m and it's thick the whole time. It's impressive liquidity in that thing
2: Oh, uh, boy, you got down to twenty eighteen. On the fifth, right? And then you had about a seven and a half point pop, three and a quarter. That puts you at like twenty-three and a quarter, twenty-three and a half, giving back this move. So that's what I'd be looking for on a pullback a daily low at twenty-three, uh, twenty-three ten. And then man, I would not get excited about this thing, and I'm just gonna target that whole twenty-seven area. Someone was definitely targeting that after the last four sessions. 684, 692, and 710. Yeah, you had that 747 high on the 15th. Maybe they just let it go and then they sold it off uh, to close at 2679. But those are my early parameters. Just a lot of supply there. And it got hit off earnings, folks. That was the thing. This gap down here was earnings. So you're going to wait for a long time for a catalyst to, you know, the next earnings report. And, uh, I don't know. We yeah. never talk about analysts anymore, so I don't I, I don't know if that's going to be the, uh, uh, no. the catalyst. Be. They don't do anything anymore. Could they be. do stuff, but it's just not as interesting as everything else. So, uh, Yeah. Oh, I just want to point out this roadblocks, too. I know we talked about it, man. These new stocks, if you're trading these, I mean, you don't have much information, but holy mackerel. I mean, that's 77.78. That was your high, your all-time high. I mean, boom, he got up there yesterday. I believe got a Kathy boost, right? And got to 78. Not so yesterday, two, though. No, two years ago. Not yesterday, two days yeah. ago?
3: I, yeah. I, I'm still, this is the one. If if tech turns, this will go to 100 bucks. um I'm, I'm, This one's holding up well. It's still got the story going. I wouldn't want to be short this one. So, there's lots of other Momo names that have broken. You think, okay, well, Roblox is going to go too. It's very early here yet with RBLX. I think it's going to have a run to a hundred. Yet, I'll actually like the Roblox. Um, I'm not in it because it's valuations, but I'm you know I might get in it for a trade if it starts to life. But it is showing life. I mean, it was an awful tape yesterday for a lot of tech names in the afternoon, and RBLX has held up really, really well. Big value. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I I think this one's eventually. I the, the, if I was looking to be long a growth name, this would be the one.
2: Is uh. Is Spencer, your Spencer, too young for this? Where do they start attracting kids? Age. What age? Because I know it's the younger kids, right? What is, the like, I know everybody talks about
3: it. So what exactly is I mean, the product? I've, I've never played, played I mean, anything. I'm a little, little bit too young. It,
1: it, it's a platform. It's ba- It's like a crowdsourced gaming platform. Like, you can develop an, your own game, and then other people can play your game. Pretty cool. Like, like that's the platform. Right, yeah. it, it's kind of like Minecraft, right? It, it, you know, yeah. you have your own server, you you build you build your own world. It, it's it's kind of like that in a way. It's basically like the the platform for people to build their own game and then play that play that game and then monetize
3: that game. It's- I I called it the Linux of gaming. What yeah. do you think about this one, Mitch? what's What's your thoughts here on RBLX? I mean, I'm risk off right now, but if I go risk on, it's the first one I'm going to buy. So. <laughs> Long-term story is there for sure, yeah, yeah. but the question is: is the valuation yeah. at seventy-six dollars just way too high? Yeah, what well, is? But we need the we need the market to turn and that growth story to get mm-hmm. hot. Yeah, I think exactly. if the market turns and the growth story gets hot, so it's market dependent. My you know buy of this, I haven't bought it yet. I don't like the queues right now. I don't like the overall market. I feel like you know we're still moving away from growth. But if we rotate back into growth, this one's going to lead the charge, in my opinion. So I think, you know, if you see the Qs all of a sudden, you know, turn around on a dime and start ripping higher, if we're making new all-time highs in the Qs, if, if this is all hypothetical, but if, you know, and I have a bearish Qs, so but I'm saying if the Qs go to turn and we start, like, going through 330 on the Qs, I think Roblox can going to be over 100 bucks. So this is the one I want to own okay. if the if and when the tech market turns. Okay. A uh, couple quick things. Uh, first off,
1: everyone, please smash that like button. On YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Twitch, wherever you're watching this, it's St. Patty's Day. Throw us a like there. Second thing is, it as I mentioned, it is St. Patrick's Day. We have a Benzinga Pro Sale today. I put the link in the comments. It's also in the description of this video. I'll throw it in there again. Get 57% off Benzinga Pro today and tomorrow only with this code and it's back in the chat in in the in the chat one more time it's also in the description of this video third thing is we've been talking about nfts and what they mean and all that jazz and i want to bring on our next guest john g senior developer at benzinga john is your mic on do, do we work i believe so can you hey, hear okay. you what's up man good morning good morning, good morning. all right good good. How you, how you guys i are? need yeah. you to explain nfts like i'm five like i'm a child okay Explain what not what not not so much what they are, but like how they work. Okay. So start start with that. Start with like like I know it runs on the Ethereum network, but I don't really know what that means. Okay. Okay. I'll take a step back,
5: uh starting with the Ethereum network, just to get some context and and how and how these NFTs actually work uh, on the network. So um and I'll take one further step back to to help help people understand exactly exactly how this works. So Bitcoin, when Bitcoin launched, it was a very basic network where there's very simple things. It's just a distributed ledger, right? So I think most people hopefully understand that by now. It's been <laughs> been a little over 10 years now. Um, but yeah, so basically the difference between Bitcoin and Ethereum is Ethereum launched what are called smart contracts. And so smart contracts, our simple way to look at it is uh, code on the blockchain. So it allows developers to do more complex things uh, on the network by having more control over like if else statements and defining functions and allowing you to actually develop on the network where Bitcoin is something very simple where it's move money here, move money there. It's basically very simple functionality. Ethereum uh, launched these uh, smart contracts which allows you to do this functionality. And there was a number of different uh, uh, improvements to the Ethereum network um, over time. And so the first one we saw was the ICO boom where they created this uh, function to basically make tokens. And so the ICOs where you can make, you know, bat, link, all these different types of tokens, uh, running a smart contract on the Ethereum network. NFTs are basically no different, where it's another type of smart contract, where there are functions involved that allow you to build a limited amount of supply of something. Where ERC20, there's they're, they're uh, fungible tokens where, you know, they all represent the same thing. Um, and then the difference between that and the NFTs is there's a limited number of them, and so you can make one NFT or you can make a few of the sim of similar NFTs. They're all represented uh, as as their own individual uh, digital asset versus okay. the NFTs, or excuse me, the 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 non or the fungible tokens that we saw back into 2017. Okay.
1: Okay. So basically it's a network that allows for more complex functionality and similar to how we saw like the ICO boom, this is just like the next step in that process, right? Is, is people just creating, uh, non-fungible again, meaning, uh, everything, meaning it's, it's a unique piece of, it's a unique asset, right? Uh, it's yep. like, not like, um, like a bar of gold or right. For example, that are all, they're all the same, um, non-fungible asset, uh, that can be bought and sold on this network. Um, yep. so, so like the, for, for the moment, as far as use cases, use cases, all I've really seen is is art, right? Are there other are there other use cases that we're not thinking of right
5: now? Um, well, yeah, so the use cases, I and mean, it started with a uh, kitties, like that was the first big one um, back uh, in the last cycle. And you know, throughout that time, I think there was a few other uh, different entities that were created. Cypherpunks uh, was the was the next uh, kind of big one that happened, I believe, uh, earlier last year. Um, and all these are very basic, like uh, attributes that you define to actually create this, uh, in this very simple digital art um, with different attributes. Like you know, this person has this glasses with this color and and, and very basic attributes. And then yes, the artist kind of came in uh i believe like eight months ago now is is probably about the time frame and and representing their actual digital artwork um and now we're getting into songs um and i would not be surprised if we get into things like books i mean it's it's any digital it's any digital uh representation digital file um that you can that you can uh represent on the network as a as a a non-fungible token
1: and i guess Uh, i who decides what has value? But I guess that can be applied to any, any asset, right? If, if people decide something has value, then, then it has value.
5: Yeah, well, I think one of the most interesting things is, so um, i sure you heard of uh, Justin Blau uh, really uh, getting into this game. Um, he, uh, he created his NFT where he launched a new album um, and did a one of one of, I believe, album cover and one of his songs, I think it's called Everything and basically um what he's looking to, what he's been talking about and looking to do is is building these into a form of royalty um so he's been working on figuring out the, the the legal ramifications of this and dealing with dealing with that but i think that'll be one of the bigger things uh if, if we can figure out if we get through this this phase where an nft can be something you own where you earn right. royalties uh through through that token Right, right that'll make it like
1: that'll really change the game in terms of how people can see value on it. But other than that, yes. I mean, so uh, it's too, our ownership. I, I don't really know how you feel or felt about like the ICO boom from 2017. Um, but like to the people that think this is all just a total crapshoot, this is just a stupid stimulus check and do bubble. Um, yeah. is, is that like, like, where are you on the spectrum? Where are you on the spectrum of this is the future to this is total BS well, I think the thing is, there's
5: so much scams out there. I mean, obviously, we saw that with the ICO. And anyone with an idea and um, you know the ability to find the right spot in the internet to to make their token, it's, yeah. these things are these technologies are are really not that hard uh, to use once you figure it out. Like, it, you, you go online, like it's there's so much information online. You can you can find how to do these things. Relatively easy. So if you can make a website, like we saw in the ICO boom, if you make a website, throw out an idea, you can get people to throw a ton of money at you. Relatively easy and without much regulation. And so there's a ton of scams uh, that happen from that. But, I mean, at the same time, there's a lot of very, very interesting projects that people were building real things on. Um, one of them that was actually really fascinating to me at the time and in, uh, at the ICO boom was a, was a token called Siacoin. And basically what they were doing is essentially trying to build am- distributed Amazon web services, where it started with file storage, where you can upload your file and uh, pay people to kind of hold it for you. And then people could access that file from like a distributed network. But, but so did that work? I believe it's still running and they're adding additional functionality. And and, and I, I'm not actually sure what that project is. I'm just giving okay. an example of something okay. like, like, you know, like BitTorrent, obviously it was a very useful protocol for people to download music. This is a similar type protocol where, you know, you can have a file exist everywhere permanently through this network. Granted, I mean, this is on the Ethereum network, so yeah. um, it's not going away. But well, there's, there's there's definitely interesting applications, and who knows the value of these things? It's hard to, you know, the right. value is more
1: in the network use than it is like, you know, right. so, so, so that that's a good, good point. Uh, at at the very least, is this a bullish argument for Ethereum over other cryptos? At the very least. The, the non fungible tokens, or yeah, yeah, the existence of NFTs is that a, is that a bullish case for Ethereum? Like, for, like I own Bitcoin, should I go in and sell some Bitcoin and use that money to buy Ethereum? And obviously, you're not an advisor, so yeah. I, don't, I don't mean literally tell me what. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, mean exactly.
5: yeah, this is the, not the financial advice, right. but it, I mean, it, it to me, it's definitely uh, you know this this app of, NFTs have been around for a little while now, but I think the, the fact that it's kind of catching up into the mainstream and um, you know, more and more artists are getting into this. I just don't see it stopping. Like, I, I could see this continuing. And the thing is, where I think is most interesting is, well, well, first, Ethereum has got to scale out. So there's there's the scalability issue that obviously Bitcoin has. Um, and maybe you can argue that it's just really not a scalability issue anymore with how it's played out. Uh, this a store of value and people aren't moving uh, the tokens, but, or the, excuse me, the coins. But um, on the Ethereum network, uh, you know, if it scales out the applications become 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 almost endless where you're just you're it's a, it's a network where it costs very little money to to play with it where all of a sudden maybe you know an artist creates 40,000 tickets to a concert that they set up with their friends with with whoever they have and then they can just tweet it out and say hey buy a ticket to my concert and it costs them a penny to make each non-fungible token yeah. And also for the people to transfer on the network to actually get that token and then sell it peer to peer. So, like, there is, like, that's to me that, I mean, I don't know, maybe there's a loop, maybe there's a hole in there you could poke, but I'd, to me, that's the kind of the future that's possible with something like NFTs an Ethereum network. And I mean, who knows where this will go. I think the most interesting about this, I think it's kind of funny, is back in, back when there was CryptoKitties, you know, they, the, the the programmers simply put attributes to to build out their crypto kitties, like make it yellow, make it a little rounder, make it more square, make it skinny, make it fat, like all these different like attributes to like make your cat. And now we have artists coming in here who are like infinitely more creative, I believe, than many programmers. So we'll see we'll see where they take this. Um I think it'll be very interesting uh to see where this goes. And I think NFT's, you know, and how, how we are seeing it now play out is is just another bullish uh, case for me all
1: right john g's a busy man i want to let him run uh john we're getting some questions from my chat a, really a couple of them one are you on social media people want to people want to follow you and, and and two where do you learn like all this stuff like like you're you're a crypto nut like what are you reading watching or listening to that that where, where you're learning all about this world um
5: so i will say if you want to First, the first place to start is probably Andreas Antonopoulos as well as Trace Meyer. Um, Andreas Antonopoulos has a bunch of content on YouTube, a bunch of books as well. Um, Trace Meyer has a great podcast. He was actually like a gold bug turned turned bitcoiner from, uh, you know, his understanding of of, of of gold as a market and uh, seeing what Bitcoin could offer for the future. And I think that is, lays a pretty good foundation for for what the what this. Networks actually mean. Yeah. Um, and then from there, honestly, just YouTube. There's a lot of YouTubers out there. Um, one I watch in particular, in particularly the Crypto Lark. Uh, he has a lot of interesting content um, to help explain a lot of what's happening. Um, and I mean, there's all different types of uh, types of YouTubers out there. Um, the Defiant is a really good pod or a good YouTube and podcast that I found recently that interviews a lot of different people in the space. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean there's there's it's really, you know, search around YouTube. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. I don't really use Twitter that much. Uh, Johnny G one seventy. Wait, uh, Johnny, on Johnny
1: G one
5: seventy.
1: Yeah. That, all <laughs> right. Good, I'm, I'm yeah. Gonna, is it with two ends? Uh, pardon? Two ends, Johnny. Yeah, two ends. Two ends. Yep. Johnny G one seventy. I'm putting it in the comments. All right, it's in chat. Johnny G, one hundred and seventy. All right, John G is a very busy man. He's a senior developer at Benzinga. He like understands this stuff like to like to the to his, to his bones, to his core. John G, thank you so much, man. Uh, I know you, I know you're busy. You got a lot going on. So thanks for coming on, and uh, and we'll have to kind of talk about this more in the future because this is some interesting stuff. Oh, for
5: sure. Thanks for having me. All
1: right, thanks, thanks so fun. much, John. All right. Uh, that's going to be uh, just about a wrap for pre-market prep uh, today. If you're listening via podcast, please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. Everyone have a good rest of your day.